Hi, it's Dark Centeno, and this is episode three of my CCI or craniocervical instability series. Again, these kind of loosely follow the CCI series on the CentenoSchultz.com blog. This one happens to have an associated blog that has some additional information. That blog is actually entitled, What Goes Into the PICL Procedure for CCI Instability? And that's the CCI series episode two on the blog, but it happens to be episode three on the podcast. So we're going to talk about PICL procedure and what goes into it. What are all the different things we do that make this a pretty unique procedure that we perform? So we've developed a, a really active community of patients with craniocervical instability who are following this PICL procedure. So what is the PICL procedure? Again, this stands for posterior implantation of the craniocervical ligaments or craniocervical junction ligaments. And this is for patients who have loose upper neck ligaments that hold the head on. So these loose upper neck ligaments can lead to lots of different problems. And the PICL procedure is the direct injection of some of those ligaments that are otherwise impossible to reach from the back of the neck. Normally cervical injections are done by injecting the back of the neck. We are injecting through the back of the throat using a very specialized procedure in order to access these ligaments that you can't access in any other way. And again, these are all ligaments that hold the head on, like the alar ligament, the transverse ligament, the accessory ligament, the superficial anterior lano-occipital ligaments, the tectorial membrane, etc., etc. So all of these ligaments can't be reached from the back. You've got to go through the back of the throat or through the front in order to get there. So that's the PICL procedure. And our goal with that procedure is to help a patient avoid a very invasive upper cervical fusion. Now on the blog, I've got a video that explains the procedure in more detail, which I encourage you to look at. But what goes into this PICL procedure? There's been a lot of interest in this and there's a lot of reasons that we have not trained anyone else on earth at this point to do this procedure. It's very, very technically demanding, number one. And number two, it requires some specialized tools that we don't expect our Regenex affiliates to have. Realize that Centennial Shields Clinic not only does craniocervical instability work, but we actually are the home of uh, Regenix. We're the headquarters. We develop the Regenix procedures, and that's a whole suite of procedures for lots of different problems that use bone marrow-derived stem cells and platelets to treat lots of different problems for patients. And we have about 70-plus affiliates in the U.S. and a number of affiliates around the globe, but none of those affiliates are authorized to do the PICL procedure. And the reason is that that procedure is extremely technically difficult. So let's go over that and so you can understand how this is done. This will also give you a window into all the things that make up this PICL procedure so that you can learn more. So the development of the procedure started back in late 2013, early 2014. We had to figure out how to position the patient, how to keep the area at the back of the throat, that we are injecting sterile, which is critical because we don't want to seed infection into this area. We had to figure out how to keep the mouth open and the tongue depressed with something that could be easily x-rayed through because there wasn't really anything that existed like that. 
we had to figure out how to see the needle in the fluoroscope and where the actual ligaments lived in relation to the bony landmarks that we saw on that x-ray, which is what a fluoroscope is. We had to understand how to prevent infection and how to maximize access to all of these different ligaments. And that's just a short list of things we had to figure out how to do. So let's go through some of these. The first one starts with taking the bone marrow. The PICL procedure is a bone marrow-based procedure. It uses bone marrow concentrate. So that means we take a bone marrow aspirate from the back of the hip and we isolate the stem cell fractions out of that bone marrow aspirate. That's what we're re-injecting in addition to high-dose platelet-rich plasma. So the first part is taking the bone marrow. And due to concerns with possible infection in this area, we've moved to a full surgical prep on the bone marrow aspiration. And what that means is the patient's placed face down, they can have anesthesia or not. We do local anesthesia, meaning local numbing medicine at the back of the hip if they don't want anesthesia. Many of our CCI patients prefer IV anesthesia here, so they're sleeping during this procedure. But we use a full surgical prep and we use a trocar and x-ray guidance to take out about 60 milliliters of bone marrow aspirate. Now that looks like thick blood and it's stem cell containing, so we then go ahead and send that to the lab via sterile transport. Now, we've got a full sterile setup in our office with three operating rooms to do this, and that's the first part that's a little unique. In addition, we do a very unique bone marrow aspiration here in that we're drawing from multiple sites. The more sites we draw from, the higher number of stem cells we get. So this is a high-dose bone marrow aspiration technique, which is not commonly done. Then the second thing we do is we process the bone marrow. And this is a critical step and one of the biggest reasons why we don't allow any sites outside of Colorado to perform the PICL procedure. Colorado is unique that it has a large CGMP class air handling ISO 7 facility to process cells. Now that's all a mouthful, but what it means is we have a specialized clean room in addition to sterile hoods where we process these cells. So this is an ultra, ultra, ultra sterile environment, much more sterile than pretty much any operating room out there where these cells are processed. And there's constant surveillance in this environment for contamination, which is a higher standard, again, than the cleanest operating rooms out there. So we have technicians that produce high-dose bone marrow concentrate in that environment. And the cost of this setup alone is about a million dollars US to build. It's not something that we have at our affiliate clinics. Hence, we do not allow affiliate clinics to do this procedure because we feel that this bone marrow concentrate has to be processed with a much, much higher standard because infection in this area could be a big problem. Then there's the mouthpiece. The problem early on was that we didn't have a mouthpiece to do this procedure. Now we use the mouthpiece to keep the mouth open while we keep the tongue depressed. All of the mouthpieces that were out there that would have worked couldn't be x-rayed through. So we needed something that was made of a material you could x-ray through, but that did these specific things. And we eventually had to design our own. It's only for our own use here in the office. We've gone through three or four different iterations. And we've got multiple different sizes for different patients. 
So this has been an interesting process, but we ultimately had to develop our own specialized mouthpiece to make this work. Then we have cleaning and visualizing the area to be injected. Realize this is the back of the throat where we're doing these injections. So it's got to remain sterile and it is a sterile field. The only way to do that was to use an endoscope that's normally used in ear, nose, and throat, but to use it for this procedure. So we have an endoscope where we can see the back of the throat, see where the needles are going, see where the sterile field is so that we don't stray out of that sterile field, because if you stray out of the sterile field, you might introduce an infection. And again, these endoscopes generally run about 40 to 70,000. They burn out pretty quickly. In fact, we're in our second one that had to be completely replaced when the first one burnt out. So the bottom line is uh, keeping the back of the throat clean is critical to avoid sitting bacteria into the upper neck ligament area, which could cause a meningitis type infection. So using this endoscope is critical. And again, the folks in our network don't have this kind of technology because they don't do this kind of work. We only have it for this procedure. Then there's the anesthesia. Anesthesia with PICL is extremely challenging. You're working through the patient's airway where they're breathing. So there's a real dance between myself as the person doing the procedure or any of the other doctors here at Centeno Schultz who have been trained to do this procedure and the anesthesiologist to make sure that we keep the patient breathing and that the patient is comfortable, but that we don't push their oxygen saturation too low because we're working through the area where the patient is breathing. Then there's placing the needles. That has to be done on only with a CRM fluoroscope. And that runs about $130,000 plus another about $80,000 a year to $100,000 a year for a rad tech in order to run that machine. And then that has to live in a shielded room because uh, we don't want radiation exposure getting out to other places. And then there's other expertise. One of the critical things and performing this PICL procedure is the ability to inject other upper neck structures like the C0C1 or C1C2 facet joints. These are procedures that are uncommonly done around the United States. So as an example, for the C0C1 facet joint that often needs to be treated as well, in addition to the ligaments, we probably only have about 100 US physicians that have done more than 20 to 50 of those injections. Now we've done thousands of those here at Centeno Schultz. So for us, they're routine, but for many places, injecting the C0C1 facet joint, which is the uppermost neck joint, or the C1C2 facet joint, which is just the one below that, these are uncommon procedures that they don't normally utilize. So, so you have to have that expertise in order to do PICL because these are common things that need to be treated to get the best results. So at the end of the day, I hope I've educated you a little bit more about everything that goes into the PICL procedure. It's really, really technically challenging. It's got lots of special things that are needed, which is why we don't allow anyone else to do it. And it may be a while before we educate anyone else on how to do it, because there's just so much that goes into this procedure to keep patients safe. So this has been episode three of my CCI or craniocervical instability series. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.